Well, welcome back to the Know Your Numbers podcast. This is your host, Chris McCormick, and today's guest is Mr. Brock Fortner. And I'm excited. Uh, Brock and I connected on LinkedIn. He is a uh, wealth of knowledge in the financial space, and he's also a young buck here. And uh, I'm excited to get to it. Hopefully, you guys get a lot of value out of it. But uh, before we get started, Brock, if you don't mind, just uh, introducing yourself, giving us a little background on who you are, what you do, and uh, where you're going with this thing? <laughs> uh, there's a lot to say about where I'm going with this thing, yeah. but uh, like you said, name's Brock Fortner. Uh, born and raised in Nashville, we just talked about that. Um, been in the financial industry, you know, a little over six years. Um, but it really started when I was 12 years old, mm. uh, and I got a firsthand glance at what happens when you don't manage your finances correctly and you overextend yourself. Wow. And since then, you know, I I got invited to a workshop when I was freshman in college. Okay. And got to hear the speaker talking and never looked back. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's me. I work with a lot of younger entrepreneurs, real estate investors, and then uh, a few entertainers sprinkled in there Mm. working on optimizing cash flow wealth building strategies, life insurance strategies, a lot of different items there. Awesome. Yeah, that's good. I think that's a a good place to start. Obviously, I'd like to hear a little bit about, uh, we could dive a little more into your background, but working with some of the high income earners, those like the entertainers, uh, the people making a lot of money, something that we don't realize when we see all them making a lot of money is some are really good at making money, but very few are good at, at keeping money. So yeah. Brock, in your experience, what's the difference? Why are so many people making a lot, but then left with uh, the very bare minimum at the at the end of the year? You know, that's a good question. I get asked that a, a bunch, actually. And I never really place it to really just one thing. Mm-hmm. I would say a lot of it is because of you're now in this world of Hey, I now have all this money. Now I just want more and more and more. And nobody has truly sat down and said, okay, well, what is it that I enjoy? What is it that I like in my life that creates my quality of life mm-hmm. that I'm happy with? And then how can I expand it, not only in my life, but to others? Mm. Yeah. So most of the time, I think when it is that, it's because we just get caught in the rat race of more. Right. Amen. Yeah. It's, uh, we reference the Bible here here a lot, and there's yeah. that one scripture uh, about uh, gaining the whole world but losing your soul, and I I do find that's that's uh, big. Uh, when you work in the financial industry, you are your eyes are opened to how prevalent that is. Is so many people yeah. have a ton exactly. of money, but they don't have relationships, they don't have yeah. uh, value in in their own personal lives, and so. That's that's why we do what we do is to just bring that to the forefront and help those people because there is still hope. Um, And so, yeah, let's dive into to a little bit about how you got into it. And as much as you want to disclose, you you mentioned when you were 12 years old, you realized that things can happen when you push it a little too far. Um, What's what's that the background there and, and how has that shaped what you're looking to do for your clients and yourself? Yeah. Um, so when I was 12, I got, you know, I was telling you, that's kind of when I first started in the business. Um, uh, there was somebody in my life who was doing extremely well, millions and millions of dollars a year of income. 
um, but started investing in everything and going to get more and more. Mm-hmm. When when 08, 09 came around, um, everything started crumbling. Everything's all the things just started getting tighter. Yeah, and uh, they lost grip. Mm. And when they first started, um, they'll tell you today, you know, the greed factor stepped in. And they just thought that everything they touched turned to gold and they soon find out that it didn't. But that was a very big lesson for me. And I learned a lot from a young age, but then it was kind of crazy. Um, A couple of years ago, I was introduced to a a young guy who's 32 Mm. worth North close to a hundred million. Mm. One of the smartest guys out there that you could just ever meet. He had tons of letters behind his names. Uh, and I saw it again. And this time the greed factor stepped in and yeah. he started thinking that he could help anybody and everybody. And he, he knew the best way. And he wasn't, he wasn't much into learning from others as much as he thought that he knew. Mm. And by the time that I met him and was kind of in his circle for two years, I saw when he was doing extremely well, and then I also saw it all crumble and uh, him lose it all. Yeah. So that was pretty eye-opening and a um, lot of different lessons in there um, of, you know, try to fight the greed monster as much as possible. Mm-hmm. That's a big, big thing. And then something that I've been talking to one of my mentors, Garrett Gunderson, a lot about is fighting the addiction of more. Mm. Um because a lot of times when we are at the top of our game and we're doing really well, it seems that everybody wants to give us something. Mm-hmm. And um, as my dad says, you know, a lot of people, when they see your success, they'll want to start paying you in flattery. Mm-hmm. So you got to be careful with what you are saying yes to. Okay. Cause if it's outside of your um, investor DNA, like Garrett Gunderson says, or your sole purpose, you're going to find yourself uh, getting dragged down by the things that you're getting into. Yeah, dude, that's so good. Um, and yeah, it's important to be surrounded by the people who will pour that knowledge into you. How mm-hmm. Brock, how do you keep yourself centered? Cause I know I struggle. And as I talk to more and more entrepreneurs, we all kind of struggle with that. What I refer to as shiny object syndrome and like, what's coming to my mind a lot more now is, is being the master of a trade rather than the jack of all trades and master of none. So how do you keep that focus? How do you find your purpose and, and stay truly rooted to it? Yeah. Um, that's a good question. I've actually been going through a personal journey on that mm. because I started a couple of years ago. I had a really large growth year and a lot of people were just like, Oh man, you can help anybody. Mm. And I thought I could help anybody. And right. then I realized like, you know, I, I don't want to help everybody. There mm-hmm. are people that I want to surround myself with and help them. And I would, I would boil those down to one, having rules around your life for the things that you want the most mm-hmm. and setting that vision aside to say, Hey, this is what I want. And I'm going to say a positive no, if something comes along and it's just not in my non-negotiables of life. Mm-hmm. Right? And those non-negotiables can change, but up front, like you, you need to have a, a picture of your life that you want an ideal life and try to strive for that every day. Mm. Um, I'll tell you that on the personal side, 
is reading the Proverbs a day hmm. and just being intentional with my uh, faith yep. relationship with the Lord and then investing in myself as much as possible. Hmm. That's another thing. Um, I've been investing a ton into myself uh, here recently, and that's been really opening my eyes to honing in on what it is that I really want out of this life. Hmm. Another thing is um, on the finance side, like when it's kind of crazy to see that, you know, when your, or your financials aren't organized, it actually bleeds over into everything else yeah. and causes some uh, frustration or stress or um, anything that's not peace of mind. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And once I started getting into, okay, well, how can I optimize my cash flow? How can I optimize where my money is flowing? When, how, where? And once I got that kind of in mind, I kind of knew when, where, and what I was going to be doing um, and how I was going to be doing it. Right. That's so good. That's so good. And there's yeah, a ton to unpack, but I do want to hear a little bit more about your money philosophy and how you have gone about optimizing your cash flow because it's something yeah, we talk about and, and people hear of cash flow, but like, what does it look like when it's truly optimized? What are some of the tools that you implement and uh, how have you seen that improve or just make your life more efficient? Yeah. Um, you know, I think the easier way for would be how I talk to people when they first come on mm -hmm. uh, a practice member for me is when we're talking about optimizing their cash flow, we're usually looking at different areas. One of those being, um, Hey, do we have any lazy assets that, that are just, we have, but they're not producing any cash flow to us. They're just kind of sitting there. Mm -hmm. Another one uh, would be debts. Do we need to restructure, refinance, renegotiate? Do we need to pay it off to start saving a little bit more? Mm -hmm. um, different tax strategies that we could be looking at where we might be tipping the government too much. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then some other pieces is like, hey, what, what if you know I work with a lot of entrepreneurs and it's like, okay, well, where can we maybe make a few little tweaks in our business to increase our revenue overall? Mm-hmm. And so those are some of the main places that I see when I meet with clients to say, all right, well, where can we recapture some costs that may be getting away from us unknowingly and unnecessarily that we could just automatically put into our life and increase our means? Mm. Okay. That's good. Is there any category that you find is kind of common to a lot of entrepreneurs or just people that are inefficient? Um, I think it's different for everybody. Yeah. Um, Debt's a big one. Mm -hmm. Everybody, there's a lot of people just with different debts. Now, during the low interest rate time, there towards the end when we when people knew that interest rates were starting to go up, there was a lot of restructuring that happened. And I, th I think that was great. I haven't been seeing a lot of people with, with uh, that much debt anymore. Um, some of them, I do speak a lot on the tax piece. Yeah, um, the different tax strategies to say, hey, what if we looked at this structure? How how about this entity structure for you with this business and a different one for this business? Mm -hmm. Or, um, you know, hey, we're investing in this, and when we look at your own personal life as an entrepreneur, you may be giving money to somebody else in their business when you are your greatest asset and your business is your number one investment. Mm. If you could just take the same money you probably were giving somebody else and put it back into your business, I'm sure you could increase your revenue 
more than a certain percentage in the market or on a real estate property or some, some other investment. Dude, that's so good. That's so good. And I don't think that's always preached because especially, I mean, on my end, I'm big into the real estate space and um, I know a lot of people are, are big into the stock market, but if you're a business owner and you're looking at your goal and your goal is to hit a certain income level or, or do something with your business, get it ready for sale, then your best investment is, is your business and, and reinvesting in that is, yeah. is a, a wise decision. So do you not look at any other asset classes or, or what's your philosophy on reinvesting your business or finding or diversifying? If you have one, I do. Yeah. So I would first be on. I've, if we can focus and then diversify, mm-hmm. because it's good to have everything, right? Right. Um, or some of everything, but what I often see is some people do it a little bit out of order. Yeah. Um, I think first we should go for, you know, our foundation. Like, I think it's in Rich Dad Poor Dad mm-hmm. where he talks about. Uh, building an empire state building or just a regular home and the different foundations that are needed for each. And a lot of times what most people will do, will build a, I think he says a six inch slab of foundation trying to build an empire state building mm. just to see that when hard times hit, it crumbles. Right. So if I can, when I'm talking uh, to entrepreneurs, for example, I think what we could do first after we've get, we've gotten our foundation set and we've, eliminated failure from our financial life whether from large catastrophes mm-hmm. right i think what we could do is then focus on okay well how can we increase the revenue within our business to grow our revenue and then once we are at a good spot and we have a mindset of financial freedom mm-hmm. then we can start dabbling in other things but, you know, like I always tell people, there's really three rules to investing. And I forget who I got this from. I think it was uh, Robert Kiyosaki or Warren Buffett. Mm-hmm. They say uh, the three rules to investing are invest in what you know, invest in what you can control. Yeah. Don't chase rates of return. Mm-hmm. And when uh, we can educate ourselves on an investment and increase our knowledge, well, we actually reduce our risk. Mm. And I think that that's a good play. Um, right. Now, when it comes to the distribution years of life, right? When we're just kind of slowing down because of our health and age, you know, maybe it is a good time to diversify into mainly stocks or bonds or annuities or different types of accounts that are more focused on distribution rather than accumulation. Mm -hmm. That's good. That is, that is good. And yeah, I think, uh, I mean, there's two things that come to mind. One is you say Robert Kiyosaki or Warren Buffett. And I think both those guys are are good guys to be gleaning wisdom from in, in the financial space. And and two is like when you when you're talking about this, I'm thinking of all the entrepreneurs that come to us and they're like, yeah, I got this business and that business and this many streams of income. And I think that's something that's been fed to us is like get as many streams of income as you can. Millionaires have seven streams of income, but it's often not realized that they started somewhere. They started with one, built that up to where it created itself on its own. Yeah. And then diversified. Um, the way that it was, I kind of thought of it through my head was if you can build up the river, 
yeah. lift capsule first, all the streams will take care of themselves. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So is your focus solely on financial services? So like, like life insurance, for instance, or is it now, I guess the, the better question would be, are you licensed in life? And then are you CFP? Cause some people get all of it, but I know it's not necessarily, uh, required. Yeah. So, um, I have a life life license. Um, yeah. I don't do any securities or anything. Okay. The, I do have a, like a separate program where I take some guys on a, like a coaching one-on-one or consulting mm-hmm. one-on-one. And it's more around, you know, their education and understanding of their own financial life and helping them get their team together. Right. And we'll, we'll work on um, wealth strategies, but I'm, I really enjoy connecting people. Mm-hmm. And if I can stay hands off uh, with people on their investments and what telling them what to invest in. Uh, I think that's better for me. And I think that's better for them because most of the people that I work with are all coachable, are all lifelong learners. Mm-hmm. And they usually understand like, Hey, my financial success is on my shoulders, not some other person's. Yeah. Um, and so that, has created a great uh, relationship with most of my clients. I may go get a CHFC here soon or a COU or something. Um, I just finished a master's in finance. So kind of, kind of taking a little break for sure. Yeah, that's good. And I think that's, yeah, that's, uh, I think that's where finance does best is like where you kind of get all the knowledge in one gulp and then it's up to you to find the right people and yeah having people that can put you in touch with the right people is even better but when you're getting one avenue for the whole city it's uh it can be detrimental like not not every piece of the puzzle fits in in every space you know and and some financial products and services fit but don't uh don't fit when when they don't fit so it's good mm-hmm. to hear that you and and i know many others are are looking to change the way that we do finance and financial intelligence and education so oh yeah 100 percent. it needs to change yeah and what does it look like for someone to to work with you so is it is it like month to month uh consulting coaching do you do seminars like how if our listeners are like damn this guy you're gonna excuse my french that that slipped but <laughs> this guy seems like a good guy to work with uh what can they do to um get in touch and and like what would it look like to be a brock fortner client yeah so um you can find me on linkedin or uh, i'm sure you can put my information in the show notes or something yeah yeah uh, but usually uh, when they meet with me, I'll, I'll do about a 90 minute call to kind of get a, a feel for if we're a good fit for each other. Um, there's a certain aspect of people that I enjoy, like, or I enjoy working with. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we're just not always the best fit for each other and right. that's okay. Uh, and so we'll go through that meeting. I have an application process, uh, where we kind of open, open the closet and kind of bring those skeletons out and say, yeah. all right, it's okay. We're going to look at it all. You don't have to call the cleaning lady. You don't mm-hmm. have to clean your house before you have the cleaning lady come over. Like, yeah, let's, oh, let's clean it together. Let's figure it out. <laughs> and if we're a good fit, then we'll move forward. Um, and, uh, on the consulting and coaching program, um, 
we usually meet once a quarter, but mm -hmm. it's up to the client to schedule those. Um, we could meet month to month. Yep. But most of the time when we first meet, maybe have three to four meetings where we're, it's kind of like taking the NASCAR um, apart, looking mm -hmm. at other parts, seeing what's working, what's not working, what's efficient, and then trying to improve it to make sure the car's going a little bit faster and then putting it all back together and saying, all right, let's go. That's awesome. That's good. And then do you check in with them after they're going or is it, do you find that they're usually good to, to do it on their own? Hmm, yeah. <laughs> uh, usually once we've kind of put things in place, it's usually like a, Hey, let's check back up in six months. Mm -hmm. And then, um, after that, it's kind of, okay, well, now you tell me, do you want to meet quarterly? Do you want to meet semi-annually, annually? What do you, what would be best for you? Um, what's really cool about my clients is most of them actually become friends mm -hmm. and I end up playing golf with them. Or if I'm out on the road somewhere, uh, traveling, speaking somewhere, I usually will text some of the clients in that area and say, Hey, I'm coming to town. Um, and we'll usually get breakfast, lunch, dinner, something, uh, that can fit in each other's schedule. Uh, and we, communicate quite a bit yeah that's awesome and i think that's the best thing about this uh business entrepreneurship especially in the financial spaces you are if you're doing it right you're building a relationship and, and those relationships last past a a, a check or a, a swipe of the card kind of thing so, oh yeah oh yeah much uh, yes. <laughs> yeah i have one client that i think we play golf together almost every other week and wow we uh, have built an awesome relationship together so that's been that's fun. great that's awesome, man. Well, before we close, I do want to uh, touch on something that that you made mention of is your personal relationship with with God, with Jesus, and how that has impacted your not only professional life but personal life, mm -hmm. um, which obviously plays into professional. And it's a huge part of it. But um, you make mention of Proverbs and doing that every day. Uh, for anybody out there listening, not sure, like open that book up because it is just a a store of wisdom. But Brock, I'd love to hear how how that has guided you on, on your journey, a personal relationship with God and, and how it continues to evolve as you go along. Uh, it's ever evolving yeah. to say the least. Um, but it's, I mean, it's the most important in piece of it all. Mm. None of, I wouldn't have any of this or be doing any of this, of this, if it wasn't for him mm -hmm. constantly trying to grow uh, right. with that being in the word each day, spending intentional time, uh, in prayer and thought, yeah. uh, and just, you know, asking for guidance and wisdom, mm -hmm. uh, knowledge of the steps that he wants me to take. Right. And then having the guts to go take the steps. Right. right? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the hardest part. Um, but massively, massively important ever since I was a little kid and mm. just constantly trying to grow tighter, stronger, Mm -hmm. relationship with him that's awesome man well props to you for being so open about that and i can tell it's working out man you are you are uh on a great journey and it's great to see you uh crushing it out there and and helping people because above all that's that's what we're called to do is is love others so um outside of love god but yeah brock we do uh we do close with with one final question here on the the know your numbers uh podcast before we get to that i just want to Again, plug your content over on LinkedIn and uh, you have a couple websites that we can link in the show notes and we'll get all those details to the listeners. But uh, thank you for, for coming on here. 
Um, Brock Fortner, the final question here on the Know Your Numbers podcast is, what is one truth about money that most people regard as myth? That adding permanent dividend-paying whole life insurance Mm. will decrease your retirement income. Adding permanent dividend-paying whole life insurance will decrease your retirement income. So are you saying that that will not decrease or? It will not decrease. Okay. All right. Wow. I love it. And that's a good thing. We didn't even get to talk about much life insurance, but I do think that is a, there's a place in that for the financial people seeking financial intelligence. And for far too long, too many experts have, have bashed it and uh, it's, it's coming to an end. If anybody uh, allows Brock Fortner and many others to, come and and speak truth over their lives so brock man i I do appreciate it um if you want any final final words there i'd like to open it up i think you know we have i think we have a little bit of time left so let's i can touch on that real quick please yeah so when it comes to retirement planning there's really only three ways you can take income Mm -hmm. and that is you vote up your nest egg and you, you take what's called the safe withdrawal rate and Safe withdrawal rate, neither here nor there. A lot of people have different numbers of what they think it is. I think it's more closer to 2.4% right now. Mm -hmm. And what that just means, like, hey, you have a high likelihood of not running out of money before you die. Mm -hmm. The only problem with this is Mm 2.4%. 2.4% on a million dollars is Mm $24,000 taxable. How many millions of dollars do you need to have the income you want during retirement? Right. Yeah. The second way uh, that you could take income is interest only. Mm-hmm. Interest only. I mean, you know, you could be conservative when you get to retirement and take five percent. So right. you'll have a little bit more income than a safe withdrawal rate, but you're subjected to the market. Right. Mm-hmm. You could do ten percent one year. You could do two percent the other. Right. right. You, you could actually be in the negatives, and if you withdraw during a negative year, you're actually, you know increasing that negative drawdown <laughs> um, and then the last one is you could just spend it all down you could say all right i'm retiring on this day and i'm going to die on this day <laughs> and which would probably maximize your income the only problem is what happens if you uh pick a day too early yeah then right you have more breath than you have dollars mm-hmm. right? so most of the time 99.99999 percent of the time everybody's going to say hey well Let's do the safe withdrawal rate mm. because, you know, I want to make sure I got enough gas to get to the end of the road, right? Right. Well, when we start talking to people about the, uh, really the alternative strategy to all this, to optimize it even more, we'd say, look, if we can have one-to-one ratio of protection to growth, we could probably pick a much larger stream of income. Mm. I think of this, I think, you know, in the first place, um, I'll ask you this, Chris. Um, do you think you get become a better or worse driver the older you get? Uh, uh, I think better up until a certain point. <laughs> That's right. When yeah. it comes to retirement, you probably start decreasing, right? Mm, right. So how can we get one-to-one um, ratio of liability insurance to our assets? Mm. So that if we get into a wreck and we get sued, we don't get our retirement 
um, resources taken away. Mm-hmm. The second is, okay, well, you know, right now, one of the biggest risks in retirement is living too long. Mm-hmm. We can get one-to-one ratio of long-term care, health care, um, to ensure that we don't have to dip into our retirement resources for our spouse or the people we leave behind. Yep. Okay. Maybe we can do a little bit better. And then what if we could do one-to-one ratio on a permanent death benefit mm-hmm. of our assets? So All if right. we have $2 million in, in, of dollars in the bank and $2 million of paid up life insurance, what is that? What is that going to do for me, Chris? Mm. <laughs> well, if I understand that the only guarantee in life is that I'm going to die right. and I match it with a guaranteed death, a uh, guaranteed contract, I could probably take that spin down option that we talked about earlier mm-hmm. and be okay with the fact that if I'm a day early, I'm still going to have money at the end. I can spend it all down with a higher income because when I do pass away, my spouse or those I leave behind get indemnified of all those assets we just spent down. Mm-hmm. And then we get put in a better spot for all. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Now, I guess my, my other question would be how can somebody who wants, and it goes back to connecting with you, but like learning more about whole life insurance and the benefits of it. Cause I mean, that's a great two minute spiel, but there, there is a little more and, and it does, I think anything just p- curiosity peaks up when you're going on and telling about all the good benefits. So what, what have you turned to, to increase your knowledge on, on the benefit of whole life insurance? Yeah. For one, I uh, am constantly reading new books. Mm-hmm. Um, the most boring book I think you could read on it is called the economics of life insurance. <laughs> um, it's like a textbook and it's yeah. very, very um, and, but when you get into, I don't, I don't know if I should say even more fun or more fun. So I don't think funner is a word, but <laughs> if it was, it would be funner. Yeah. Um, different books, you know, heads I win tells you lose. What would mm-hmm. billionaires do? What would the Rockefellers do? Uh, how to live your life insurance, busting the life insurance lives. Wow. There's tons of books out there. Um, and I, you know, I'm happy to always have a conversation with somebody about it. I love talking about it. I have two policies in my own life that I enjoy using and having. And mm-hmm. I'm always open to sharing those with people. Yeah, that's awesome. And um, man, I, we could go on. And I think I think okay. we might go a little extended. So thank you, listeners, for for staying on. But um, when you say you use them, can you take us through what that looks like for you? Because some people might hear that and be like, "Well, you're still living. How can you? How can you use that? You're not retired. How can you use that? What's that look like in your um, life?" So I'll give you a scenario. We it didn't actually play through, but it was going to be a really awesome scenario, both for me and the other business. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have two whole life policies um, right now. Uh, I think I have a little over 60 grand in cash value. Mm-hmm. And so I had a company come to me here in Nashville uh, earlier last year. So around, I think it was around... December, they came to me and they were wanting to increase their fleet of trucks that they had, mm. um, but they didn't have the resources to buy. One of my clients worked for them and uh, they were like, oh, well, maybe Brock can uh, help us out here. So they gave mm. me a call and I said, well, you know, I may be interested in this. And they, they were, okay, well, what do we need to do? And 
So I said, list me out the truck that you need, the price, um, and what kind of financing we could get on. Well, they got this all back to me. They were going to, you know, it was going to be, I think it was a $40,000, $42,000 investment where they would have, you know, given me points moving forward from the sales of the business. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, they would pay me back in a, I think they wanted to do it in a 12, 12 month timeframe. Yep. And so what I was actually going to do, is I was going to take a loan against my cash value. Mm-hmm. The insurance company was going to give me their money and I was going to buy this truck for them, lend them this money. And they were going to pay me back over 12 months, that entire principal plus some interest. Mm-hmm. So now I have essentially cloned my dollars. Hypothetically, I had had money working in my life insurance policy and I had money working in this investment deal. And then uh, once that was all going to be paid back into my policy, well, now I had an infinite return because I had no money in the deal. But all the money was back in my pocket. I was still receiving cash flow from it. Yeah. And all the while, you know, I did this being able to go to my medium storage tank, my mm-hmm. medium term uh, holding tank of my money, mm-hmm. or I went to this investment. It's kind of like um, uh, when I think of whole life insurance, I kind of think of it like the heart of your yeah. financial model. Um, wow. When we have, when we have our heart in our, in our body, it's pumping blood mm-hmm. to all of our arteries, the, our extremities, and then it comes back. And it's got to go through our heart again, right? Yeah. And if I can use my life insurance policy the same way where I'm flowing maybe 15% of my income into my life insurance, taking the money from the life insurance, sending it to an investment back into the life insurance, and I constantly just do that over the years, you know, it's going to be really hard to beat what I'm doing. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's good. I mean, yeah, as long as you're finding the right, things to invest in and right yeah setting staying, it up with, right. staying within my rules of investing it all comes back to it <laughs> look at that that's awesome man well i thank you for for breaking it down so easily and and uh really simplistically simply i guess would be the right word but yeah. uh <laughs> dude it's so good to connect and and i'm really honored that that you'd come on here and and share with us and to the listeners out there be sure to connect with brock on on linkedin and check them out if you have anything about whole life insurance. I mean, we there's a whole host of different options out there, but you're not always getting the right information. So go to somebody you can trust. And and I am extending my trust to Brock because I know he knows what he's talking about. And uh, man, even even though he's he's so young, I I think it's it's a benefit to all of us because uh, yeah, he hasn't been corrupted by by different industries and all that good stuff. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <Yeah>. Thank you. <laughs> course awesome well brock man it's been a pleasure um thank you all for listening if you did enjoy this episode uh be sure to like share and subscribe and uh, we will catch you on the next episode